case of Judas versus Peter. That's what we are going to be talking this morning. All right. Some of you probably are wondering, what in the world are you talking about, Gian? Well, Judas and Peter are going to trial today, friends. They are. But for our viewers, we want to invite you to download the bulletin. You can go to vchurch.us forward slash bulletins. Or if you are watching through a smart TV, just point your phone towards the camera and you will be able to download the bulletin of this message. We want to thank you, Tracy, and also Sebastian for the service you are doing for us in order to have this broadcast. And of course, everyone here, very happy to see each one of you and our new friend, Gene. Welcome to Victory Church, Gene. He found us online and we appreciate your company today with us. For the rest of you, if you are interested in supporting financially this broadcast, feel free to do it. vchurch.us forward slash give or send a text to 432-268-0007. The case of Judas versus Peter. That's the topic of this morning. Is our worship service number 218 for this morning of November 29, 2020. I would like to invite you to read full screen here the scripture coming from the Gospel of Mark, chapter 14, verses 10 and 11. And we read in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Then Judas, one of the twelve disciples, went off the chief priests in order to, what? Betray Jesus to them. They were, what? Pleased. Pleased to hear what he had to say and promised to give him, what? Money. Money. So Judas started looking for a good chance to hand Jesus over to them. Of course, that's, that is what he wanted. You know, Judas was a traitor because of his material intentions. That was the main reason why he became a traitor. All that he could think of was material stuff. When you go through life and you remember ex personal experiences that you may have, you review in your timeline and you think of two scenarios. One, what you have done, and two, what others have done. And you will find out that most of the time in those betrayals, <laughs> the intention was that material stuff. That was it. Most of the time, money. I don't know if you have lived that experience. I personally lived it. I know what is to be betrayed. I know what is to have somebody telling me, this is what we're going to do. I even had contracts yeah. stating how the thing will be. And you know what? From the beginning, the person that signed that contract wanted to not fulfill his word. From the beginning. Because you know what, what, is, what happens when someone has in his heart the desire of taking advantage of others. The scheming power is going to be there. And there are individuals that are astute and they can maneuver us. And we have been victims of that. You know, all kind of scams. Betrayal is a reality. So now, today, that we have Judas and Peter on this trial, we are studying what happened with Judas and his reason why he did that. Material intentions. So here's the first 
big question that we need to ask ourselves today. What is my intention and goal in life? What is what you really want to accomplish in life? What is what I want to accomplish in life? You know, it is sad, but there are cases where preachers are looking for one thing and one thing only. And it's not a spiritual. It's material. If that happens to preachers, imagine to the rest of the people. The rest of the people also get trapped in that. Do you remember what the Lord Jesus said about when that guy went to plant a seed? He said that at some point, the desire for wealth in all the world's wonderful things capture the soul of the individual. And that's why the, the, the little plant died. So you have to be careful, my friend. I have to be careful. All of us need to be careful. Responsibility is one thing. But just going after stuff is other thing. That is why Judas betrayed the Lord Jesus. His material intentions. But let's continue reading now in verses 12 and 13. On the first day of the festival of the unleavened bread, the day the lambs for the Passover meal were killed, Jesus' disciples asked him, Where do you want us to go and get the Passover meal ready for you? Then Jesus sent two of the men with these instructions. Go to the, into the city, and a man carrying a jar of water will meet you. Follow him to the house he enters, and say to the owner of the house. The teacher says, where is the room where my disciples and I will eat the Passover meal? Then he will show you a large upstairs room, fixed up and furnished, where you will get everything ready for us. The disciples left, went to the city, and found everything just as Jesus had told them. And they prepared the Passover meal, just as he told them. And you know why that happened? Because God's plan is always going to come true. Amen. God's plan is always going to come true. Always. You know, my friends, we are going through this crisis, health crisis, financial crisis, political crisis, national crisis, world crisis. And in the midst of this, God's plan is going to come true. Now, you have to remember that God's plan, it has to do with several things. First, with your personal life. He has a plan for you and for me. Yes, he does. It's a personal plan. And it's a great plan. And it is a great plan. <laughs> Thank you, sir. You are absolutely right. It's always a great plan. It's a personal plan. Now, also, not just personal, but it's a family plan. It's not just me. But everyone in my family, everyone in your family is part of this God's plan. And then you continue expanding this to the community, to the city, to the state, to the country, to the world. Because God's plan, say it with me, is going to come true. And Jesus said to the disciples, come on guys, I want you to do this, and this and this is going to happen, and and the disciples said, are you sure about that? 
I have an idea. What if that's the problem with many people today? Question, my friend watching, is that your problem, maybe? That God is telling you exactly what is what you, do, you need to do, and you are like, a, mm, I have a suggestion, Lord. I think I have a better plan than you. What if you, instead of doing this, Lord, you do this? Because this actually is what I, what? Want. So there is a big conflict in between what I want and what God's want. Here is the good news for all the spiritual people. His plan is going to come true. And the bad news for the rest of the people that are not spiritual is that you are not going to beat the Lord ever. You know, you try to go against God's plan, go ahead. Be my guest. It's your problem, it's your life, it's your money, it's your time. (laughs) It's your family, your health, your company, your eternity. It's your decision. But you know what? If you are fighting against God's will, <laughs> but a true disciple listens. Please say the word listen. listen. Uh-huh. A true disciple listens to Jesus. Okay. And then what? Will do it. Do it. Remember, I will never get tired of telling you these things. We have a mind to think and learn. Correct? We have a heart to love and give. Correct? And we have hands to work. The problem is this. We don't want to work. We don't want to do what we need to do. We don't want to love and give. We don't want to reflect and think. We just want to talk. It's too much talking. I remember... One funny thing that I said to my kids when they were growing up, they were little, and I said to them, I just want you to use more your hands and your feet than your mouth. And the kids asked me, Natalie and Sebastian, Daddy, what what that's supposed to mean? I don't understand. That means don't talk, just do what I say. (laughs) Use your hands and your feet, and everything is going to be all right. Friends, Let's, let's, let's see the reality here, okay? God already told us what to do. Really? When? What did he say? It's written. <laughs> it's already written. Some of those writings are up to 4,000 years old. And others are near 2,000 years old. They are already in your Bible. Remember? Just need to read it and do what the scripture says because God's plan is always going to come true. Make it work. Not too much talk. Understand with your mind. Believe in love with your heart and put your hands to work. Next, next scripture. Now is coming from verses 24 forward. While they were eating, Jesus took a piece of bread, gave a prayer of thanks, broke it, and gave it to his disciples. Take it, he said. This is my body. Then he took a cup, gave thanks to God, and handed it to them. And they all drank from it. Jesus said, This is my blood, which is poured out for many. 
my blood which, which seals God's covenant. Okay, friends, we are going to now talk about something that is very profound. Is the blood of Jesus. In church, we always say many things about the blood of Jesus. And, and do you remember the, the song that we always have sing? Da, 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 da. What? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. And we sing songs about it. But here is one thing that many people don't really realize. Blood is actually not a nice thing. You get a, you get a cut, you hurt yourself, you see blood, and you don't say, oh, what a wonderful blood. Yeah. No. no, blood is not a nice thing. Blood is something really mm, controversial. You know, when people get sick, you know, sometimes blood goes out in different shapes, ways, places, and people get concerned about blood. Okay, so don't you see the blood of Jesus too poetic? The blood of our Lord Jesus was exactly like our blood, materially speaking, with a big difference, of course. Remember, he was conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit. There was no male human involved in this. So obviously that blood was absolutely different in that regard. But other than that, his organs and the rest of him, he was 100% human. But blood as a such, when it was being spilled everywhere, when every time they, he was hit and beaten and all that on the Calvary and all that, that was blood. So now I want you to think of this. We Christians believe that that blood is able to wash away our sins. So, believers, we Christians, my friend, if you are a believer, probably you have never thought about that blood will wash away your sins, that blood. Maybe you heard it and you understand the, the idea behind it, but physically, materially speaking, blood washing away your sins is kind of controversial. Okay, and here's my point to you. It's not easy from the human standpoint, to accept that the blood of someone will make you clean. And in fact, here's something that many believers don't want to hear. For some individuals, historically, thinking of the blood of Jesus, it provokes in them horrible feelings and not a nice idea of getting close to God is the opposite so how come we can just accept that that blood washes away our sins it's because we have faith that is the big difference between us and the rest but in some point you and I we were not believers so we were exactly in their, in their position and maybe we even never thought about that blood that he refers here in this chapter 14 of Mark, saying that, take and drink, this is my blood. But my friend watching, 
you are not a believer, you are curious about this. Because you are an attorney, you want to hear about the trial, perhaps, or you are just a curious one. And now that I am talking about this blood, you are just having so many ideas in your mind. I want you to know this. When you hear the, the word of God, as I am speaking God's word, the miracle happens that the, those words that go through the air, the voice in the air is being transformed by the power of the Holy Spirit into another element, which is called faith. And faith is what makes you believe the preaching of the word, how truthful the Bible is, and also that Jesus is the Son of God who died for you. But if you don't have that faith, don't get discouraged. Don't give up. Don't think, well, obviously, I'm not one of the chosen ones, or I'm not that crazy. Don't, don't think that way. Give it a time. You need to be patient with yourself and continue reflecting. And I thank you that you are taking your time listening to these teachings, because I promise you, once you start to listen and to understand in your heart, because this is spiritual discernment that you need, slowly things are going to be more and more clear to you. Don't, don't feel frustrated or disappointed. And if you have certain questions, don't hesitate to send me an email. Info at vchurch.us. You can even call the church. Go to the website, vchurch.us. Feel free to contact me. I'll be responding to your questions. The power of the blood of Jesus. And then we think about his death. Because in order for him to be our Savior, he needed to be the Lamb of God. So his death is imperative. It was imperative. Another big predicament for people. Do we believe that he really died and he has risen? Well, from again, from the human standpoint, it's like, mm, I don't know. <laughs> for real, he died and came back to life? Have you seen somebody like that? Well, somebody almost died and then came back in the machine, in the hospital. Things like that we hear. But I'm talking about somebody who was dead three days. Three days. And coming back to life. To what? To show to his disciples that he was who he said he was. And then ascending to heaven and told us you just go and preach my word make disciples everywhere because I will come back and I think that that general got that phrase from there I'll come back or I return what is what he said something like that you remember well the Lord I'll be back well the Lord Jesus will come back another piece of the puzzle in our understanding of life. What is going on in the world? Are we living the last days? Are we in the, the final moments of humankind? No, my friend. No. Still there is so much that we need to see and live. You have to be prepared though. It doesn't matter because your end could be today. My end could be today. 
So it doesn't matter what's going on in the world. I have to be prepared. And how do we get prepared? By receiving in our hearts the forgiveness of our Lord Jesus Christ. Believing that He lived a holy life. He gave His life for your forgiveness. His blood, precious blood, His wonderful death that represents the forgiveness of our, our sins. His resurrection, His ascension, and His eventual return when He will come back now. Not like a lamb of God, but like the Lion of Judah. Invested with power to defeat the enemy and put everyone in his place. Because there is going to be only one name that we will be exalting. And every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. Amen. Let's give a hand to the good Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Yes. But let's continue the reading. In chapter 14, again, in verse 26. They... Then sang a hymn and went out to the Mount of Olives. Okay, what is what did they do? They were singing. Now, let's talk about singing for a second. I love music. Some people like music. But regardless if you are a musician, a singer, or whatever, when you hear kids singing, is really inspiring, right? Christmas carols, kids playing, in a, singing and they play in the school. We all got to see them, right? And they are dressed as a dinosaur and a little bird, and, and they are singing and dancing. And sometimes they don't move. You know how kids are, right? I am happy this day. You know, it's, but you just love the kids, and you say, it's adorable. They are adorable and whatever. You know, you hear women singing in the church in every event, and you say, that's wonderful. I don't know about you, but I will tell you about me. If there is something powerful in singing to me, it's hearing men singing. I agree. There is something special. You, for example, hear people in the military and our respect to our forces. Thank you for your services. All the, the different branches of the military forces, they get together and they have their yuha sing or yell, yelling, whatever. It's, it's, it's interesting to hear that. But listen, when they are singing, and especially if they are singing the national anthem, I don't know how you feel, but my hairs everywhere is like, ding, ding, they get so excited. Because there's so much excitement when I hear men singing. I'm talking about from the human standpoint. Mm -hmm. But now, when we are thinking of what happened there, the Lord Jesus and his disciples singing a hymn. Can you picture that? Now, most men say, I don't sing. Much less in church. That's, that's for, for the girls. Come on, girls. Sometimes men, we elbow the, the wife and we say, you sing, honey. You are good at this. I, I give you my support. I will clap. Or I will pretend that I'm singing. Ah. Hallelujah, right? And the reason why we men feel this way is because we, we, we have trouble to connect with our emotions. 
And let's face it, quite often we don't know how to sing. <laughs> Horrible voices, true. But there is one thing that we just need to do. If we follow the lead voice, everything changes. And I want to take you with me to that upstairs room. Those 12 men and the Lord Jesus. And then he is singing. Which hymn did they sing? I don't know. But I, if I could back to any, go back to any place and time in the story of the Bible, personally, that probably would be one of my favorite moments to be there. Get there. Snake in. Quietly open the door. Close the door. And I'm there. And I see all of them. And then, who is leading the singing? The Lord. And then he goes. And I, I am absolutely sure he has a beautiful voice in heaven. But I don't know if on earth he was a good singer. But regardless, he was leading his men. Husband, what are you waiting to lead your children to sing to God? Grandpa, what are you waiting to lead your grandkids to sing to God? We need to show everybody that we men can sing to God. To God. And you know what? There is power in this. And you have to see it. The doors of heaven are open every time we are worshiping the Lord God. Amen. But let's continue reading now, verse 30. Jesus said to Peter, I tell you that before the rooster crows, two times tonight, you will say three times that you don't know me. Peter answered even more strongly, I will never say that, even if I have to die with you. <laughs> Classic, right? What is what we do? We always say promises to God. So, if we go back for a moment in this trial to, to Judas, what is the reason why he betrayed the Lord? You remember? Why Judas betrayed the Lord? For? For the money. There were material intentions. He wanted the silver, right? And we know what happened. Eventually, the Lord said, you, I can't imagine the adjective he was thinking. He didn't say anything. But you, you got to do whatever you have to do, right? Again, another adjective. <laughs> but you and I know the adjectives appropriate for this guy. He had in that moment one opportunity to say, uh, so you know. I want you to observe this detail, my friend. Hey, Judas, whatever you need to do, do it quickly. In other words, I know what you're doing. Now, here is Judas on trial, the prosecutor. Judas, that moment that Jesus told you, you better do this quickly. Did you or you didn't understand that he knew what you were about to do? Do I have the answer? Yes, you do. Yeah, I knew it. So why did you continue doing that? You knew what you were doing. Why? 
because I wanted the money. Mm -hmm. All right. I made a point now. Your Honor, members of the jury, he knew that he was doing wrong. He had the opportunity to stop, and he didn't. He went and go ahead. When they gave you the money, because you promised them to betray Jesus, Judas, did you feel bad about it? Not really. Okay, he confesses, he admits, he didn't feel bad about it. He knew what he was doing. He knew he was doing something against God himself. It was because of money. And when he did it, he felt good about that. Okay. And what happened afterwards? Judas. Well, I betrayed him and, and later I feel bad. Okay, later you feel bad. Okay. And what happened afterwards? I felt so horrible that I hang myself to a tree. You know, many people wonder about the soul of Judas. Some people say he went to hell. Other people say, well, who knows? Maybe he repented before the moment he died. Which takes us to another point, right? It's about individuals that are suffering with terrible illnesses and they go ahead in certain nations as allowed just to disconnect themselves or proceeding with certain things in order to end their lives because of the suffering they go through. Mm -hmm. There is a lot to talk about the ethics behind it, but the truth of the matter is nobody really knows until one day we will be in heaven and we will figure out there what happened with Judas and what is exactly what was going through his mind. But in this trial, there is something that you see is that Judas, Judas has the chance to change, but he didn't. He could stop what he was doing, you know, because it was by stages. And I want you to see this, my friend, because this is so important for you. Okay, This is not about history or Bible lesson. I want you to find the application here. When you are planning of doing something against God that is wrong and evil and is sinful, the Lord knows it. You know He knows it. And you keep on going. And you keep on going. You know that at the end you are going to feel so bad that you would like to hang yourself from a tree. So whenever you are in that process, stop it. Now, I'm talking to you, my friend, dear friend. I received a phone call recently from someone who said to me, you know, I used to like you. But now I don't like you because you offended me. You insulted me in one of your messages. And I said, really? What, what, what is what I said? Well, I don't remember exactly, but you said, if you are doing this and that, this is wrong and you need to change. And then you start accusing me of those things. I want to clarify that this person who called me is not from Odessa. So, is not from the church. It's not from Texas. It's not from America. Actually, it's not from this planet. <laughs> you get my point? So don't feel bad. I'm not attacking one person, my friend. But if you feel, when I am speaking God's word, something like a knife that is coming into your guts, and you get so angry, just think about this. Think about Judas Judas, do whatever you need to do. Go. 
Here's the money. Oh, go and kiss in Jesus. Think about those moments that Judas had the opportunity to stop that. So don't get angry and mad at the preacher. The preacher is just a messenger. If you are doing something wrong and you hear the words, stop it, don't do it, or change, it's God trying to stop you. Now with Peter, we now move to the trial with Peter. It's a little bit different. He denied the Lord. We know what happened here, right? And it was all based on a promise. Now, if we remember the thing that we just read, this is what the Lord Jesus said. The Lord said, you're going to deny me quickly. And remember the rooster. When, when the Lord said that to him, with so much energy, Peter replied, oh, no. And I can imagine with his classic temperament that probably that thing was really loud and probably heard something like that or maybe looked at the Lord like, "Mm, I will give my life for you. Right? (laughs) Promises. Do you promise to love this Men, the rest of your life. Do you promise to be faithful to this woman the rest of your life? And both lovebirds, I do. <laughs> right? Do you promise, my friend, that you will fulfill your commitments in this company and you are not going to cheat or steal or take the secrets from the company? You are not going to use the company's property for your own benefit, Do you, etc. Do you promise... I do promise. Do you promise that you will do this? I would. I will. (laughs) That's us. It's Peter in us. Do you understand? So here's the trial. Peter. Peter. Yes, sir. Peter. Why did you say that? Why did you make that promise? Well, the truth is, I just felt that I needed to tell him that because I believed that. So you believe that? That you will never betray the Lord? I believed it. With all of my heart, I was absolutely convinced. And what happened then? Well, you know what happened. (laughs) Let's continue the reading. Now we are in chapter 14 again, but verses 61, 64. Questioned by the, by the religious leaders, Jesus would not say a word. This is another moment, right? Again, the high priest questioned him. Are you the Messiah, the Son of the blessed God? Jesus answered, I am. And you will see all. You will all see the Son of Man seated at the right side of the Almighty and coming with the clouds of heaven. The high priest tore his robes and said, We don't need any more witnesses. You heard his blasphemy. And this is the crucial dilemma that everyone has to go through. Do you believe that he is the son of God, that he will come back? That's the crucial dilemma. So, make it personal. Do you really believe that Jesus is the son of God? That he will come back one day in the clouds to 
bring peace to all humankind, establish his kingdom with authority, and take you with him forever and ever? Do you believe? That's the crucial dilemma. And some people might say, you know what, I'm listening to you because I'm curious about this and how this thing is going to end. But honestly, this is a, it's a good question. It's a good question because I have my doubts. I have my doubts about the Bible. I have my doubts about church and, you know, what is what you guys do? And what about the Crusades? And I heard about this preacher. I heard and, and on and on. So I do have still questions. Well, my friend, we understand that. The important thing is that that dilemma has to have an answer eventually. So what the answer is going to be. And that is your responsibility. Not your wife, not your husband, not your dad, not your mom. Not your children, not your pastor or your leader, religious leader, is not responsibility of the government or your supervisor at work, the workplace. Nobody else has that responsibility to answer the crucial dilemma. Do you believe that Jesus is the Son of God that will come back in his power or not? Think about it. That's the crucial dilemma. I continue with the service. I want to tell you that on the next Sunday, on December 6th, in our service 219, the topic will be, I want more, Lord. I want more, Lord. Do you want more? I hope you do. With the Lord, we always have the opportunity to receive more from him. Going back to the reading, and now verse 72. Then a rooster crowed a second time, and Peter remembered how Jesus had said to him before the rooster crowds two times, you will say three times that you don't know me. <laughs> and of course, he broke down and cried. He broke down and cried. Amen, cried. Let's go to the trial, my friends. So, Peter... Peter is crying now. Yes, sir. Why are you crying? I remember what happened that day. Tell us, please. You know, honestly, I believe that I will be faithful to God. I, I, I believe that. I did believe with all of my heart that He will save me. That He will rescue me. That I needed to give my life to Him. So, I promise him that I will be faithful. I promise him I will give my life for you. And I believed it. But the thing is, when the time came, and I saw all these soldiers arresting him, and then they throw him here and there and start hitting him, I just couldn't believe it. And I was really frightened. And I was so nervous because I thought, I have seen Jesus healing people, multiplying food at people's tables. Mm -hmm. 
I saw him walking on water. I, I remember when he transformed the water in wine. We were one day in the boat, and it was a storm, and he stopped the storm. Lazarus? Yeah. And he told us about the kingdom and the future. I, I believe he was unstoppable. And suddenly, he was stopped. Yes, I was frightened. And I thought, if he who is awesome is being put in jail, then maybe they will kill him. I'm sure they're going to do something like that to me, and that's why I failed. I failed. I was frightened. You know, I became selfish, and I thought, no, I, I cannot do that. Because there is exactly the moment when we all go through our crisis, our personal crisis, thinking, but I, but I promised God that I will behave. I promised God that I will be faithful to this spouse of mine forever. I promised God that I will do my job right. I promised to this and this. I, I promised and I believed my promise, but circumstances and fear and doubt just took over me and then I failed. So, Peter, thank you for sharing your feelings with us. And what happened after that? Well, I was just going through all that. And, and yes, uh, it's true. I denied him three times. I did. And every time that I said that, I thought, man, I just did it. And I said I won't, but I did it. And the second time, I did it again. And the third time, and exactly in that moment, I heard the rooster. You have no idea what is to be reminded that you just failed. You just don't know, Peter said. What's the feeling inside of you when you know that you messed things up? Not just for you, but for many people that trusted you because you were a man of your word, a person of your word, and now I failed. You just don't know what is to acknowledge that you just failed miserably to God and to people and to yourself. And what happened afterwards, Peter? I cried. Oh, come on, Peter. A lot of people cry. Oh, no, no, no. Listen. There are a lot of crybabies out there. They cry because the internet is low. They cry because their, their car broke down. They cry because they are going to repo their bicycle. They cry for little things, you know. It's too hot. It's too cold. I can't get what I want to eat. I wanted to buy this sweater, stuff like that. They are crybabies. I'm talking about being confronted with who you are, that you just can't live at the standards that you want to live. And you did the best you could, but you failed. That's why I cried. That's why I decided I got to do something about it. 
Do you understand what is to be in a corner by yourself when there is nobody around you and you realize that you are just an awful person because you failed? You know what it is to feel like a loser because you gave a promise and you couldn't fulfill? I am in trial now, but I can tell you this. I really repented that day. And I needed the forgiveness of God. That is why I cried. Because I needed His forgiveness one more time. That is the big difference between those who just say things and cry for different things and my personal experience. Being confronted with the reality of my life made me see the truth of myself. That day, I decided I'm going to do something about it. And I did. That changed my life. I came again to look for him. I didn't care if they are going to beat me to pieces, if they are going to kill me, they are going to crucify me. I don't care if they are going to put me in whatever kind of situation of pain or misery. I didn't care if they will be mock me, embarrass me in front of people. You know what? Mr. Prosecutor, God is my witness that this time I'm going to get it right. This time I'm not going to fail. This time I am truly going to give my life because that was a mistake that I made not ever again. I am serious now. I'm fully committed. That's it. And I went to the Calvary. And I helped everybody. And I was there with the disciples. And I said to all of them, come on everybody. We got to do this right. He said that he will come back to life. He said that he will fulfill his promises. He said a lot of things. And he is God. Remember, one day he asked me, who do you think I am? And I said, you are the son of God. You are the anointed one. Do you remember, guys? Yes, it's true. Well, he will come back. What's it? What's it? The girls are here. What's going on? Somebody moved the rock. What? John, let's go. Do you remember Chariots of Fire? Dun. <laughs> Da-da-da-dun. Now, do you know why John came first? Before Peter? Remember John right? First, second, and third. Peter only wrote first and second. <laughs> But eventually, Peter arrived. <sighs> He's not here. He's not here. He's alive. Return. Let's go back to my friends, disciples. <laughs> guys, guys, guys. He's alive. He's alive. He is real. He is more real than Caesar. He is more real than all these leaders here in this government. Let me say it one more time that he is more real than Caesar. He is more real than the leaders of the government. He is real. He is the Son of God. He is the true, merciful, compassionate Savior of us. And he will come to see us. He told us to go to Jerusalem, that we will meet him there. And he did. 
And he did. Amen. That's the one that you believe in. He is your king. Right. He is not going to abandon you. He is not going to leave you alone. He is not going to see you suffering and just say, well, you know, it is what it is. No, he is not the kind of God that does those things to you. He is going to rescue you. So here we have the trial, Judas and Peter. Both of them failed. One was interested only in one thing and one thing alone. Material stuff. And he did not repent. The other, he was looking for the truth. He did repent. You know what, what is what we need to do, my friends? We need to learn to accept that we are wrong. Admit it. Confess it. And change. That's the big difference. And you are not different than that Judas or Peter or me. We all are in the same category, human beings, that we fail. But when we want to really learn, we have to admit, what I am doing is wrong. I, I got to change. And you confess it. Which is one of my favorite things to do with my friends, close friends that come to me and say, you are my friend and I want to tell you what I just did. And I hate to tell you this because I don't want to say these things to you. I don't want you to hear this kind of stuff from me. But you know what? You are my friend. And you are my pastor. And I trust you as a man of God. And I will tell you what I just did. The last three months I have done this, this, this. And you know what? I admit it. And that is wrong. And I want to confess my sins today here because I just can't deal with this anymore. I'm done with this. I just can't deal with this guilt anymore. I'm done with this. I want to change. I want to change for real. From inside out. How do I do this? You know what the scripture says? Romans chapter 10 verse 9. If you... If you openly say, Jesus is my Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from death, you will be saved. That's all that is required. What if you today, my friend, say a prayer with me? All of us here in the church, and especially you, my dear viewer, read it with me, it's in the screen. Dear God, I don't want to end like Judas. I understand that pride can kill me. Please give me a humble heart. Help me, God. I am so sorry. Please forgive me. You are the only one that is certain in life. You are my God. I open my heart to you, Lord. I confess my sins before you. I need to change. I want to obey you and trust you and serve you forever, my Lord. Starting today. I want to see life and people exactly as you do. Please help me, Lord. My friends, it's here in this beautiful cross where everything begins. This cross with his death is all that we need. What if you say with me, I am forgiven and saved by faith in Jesus. Therefore, I can also declare, 
my life is going to be great and blessed this year 2020 my friends receive the blessing in the name of the father the son and the holy spirit the peace of god come upon you may his face shine on you have a beautiful sunday and i will see you next time here in victory church share this video with others be a blessing for others see you later comes and someone stands to fight anytime somebody lives to serve and not be served I know, I know, I know, I know you for watching Victory Church, please feel free to contact us. Our email address is info at vchurch.us and our phone number is 432-614-9798.